Well, welcome to Dropping Keys, everybody. Conversations and insights about life, leadership, love, and whatever else we get into. I'm Joel Morgan, your co-conspirator, and I'm the head of Key Exploration. What I try to do is I seek to inspire meaningful conversations to move people and communities and organizations forward. And what you've just opened up is an A volume. It's an extension of the previous conversation where I take a deeper dive into one or more of the keys dropped. In this case, a compliment to volume eight with co-conspirator Alana Sheeran. So this is volume eight A. But let me back up just for a second. Dropping Keys is the title of a poem by Hafez, a 14th century mystic and poet, and it is the inspiration for this podcast. Here it is. The small man builds cages for everyone he knows, while the sage, who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners. Now, if you haven't listened to Volume 8, I invite you to engage that conversation that I had with Alana. It was really a wonderful conversation, as they all have been. And she shares uh, many wonderful keys from her life. And one of the things that she shared had to do with space and space. And, and what we don't mean is beyond our atmosphere kind of space, out there kind of space, black holes out there kind of space. But space, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever gone somewhere and realized that the way the building, the room, the chair, whatever it was, was perfectly made or fit to its intended use? I mean, it's pretty cool when that happens. I mean, this is what architects get trained to do. What, what they think about all the time is, is designing space to fit the purpose or to inspire a certain way of thinking or acting or to encourage a certain feeling that happens when you engage that space. And what I want to talk about today in terms of what Alana said about a space is, is more akin perhaps to having a place for something, but she used the word space. She said that we all need space to be human. She mentioned it as she shared her experiences of grief and her work walking and working with others who are grieving. And she said, we need a space to be human. And when she shared this, it just, it felt almost like a longing, almost like a, I wish there were more of these spaces. And when she pointed out this need, it, it reminded me of the teachings of, of Parker Palmer. Parker writes about the fact that in our world, we've created spaces and places for parts of us to show up. I mean, just go to the gym or the basketball court or the golf course, the running group, the yoga studio, and the physical shows up. We get to show off our physical prowess. Go to school, go to university, go to a book group, go to work, and oftentimes the intellect has a space to show up. I'll show you how smart I am. Go most anywhere and you'll find a space for our egos to show up and, you know, work out their particular issues. The ego always seems to get involved in these space kinds of things, taking over and taking the air out of the room in a sense. 
Parker identifies that we haven't done a very good job or even maybe ever created places or space for our souls to show up. And I think this is part or maybe all of what Alana points out in saying that we need space to be human. I mean, one might think that for the soul to show up or the spirit to show up or for our humanness to really show up, we might think that that happens, say, at, at church or, or in worship or at an ashram or in a meditation group or, you know, something affiliated with the spiritual realm, quote unquote, and perhaps it does. But if you check your own experience, and I've been checking mine, um, these kinds of spaces can easily be co-opted by physical, the intellectual, and especially by the ego. An emphasis on dogma or traditionalism in these kinds of spaces or places can quickly change this, this place of soul or human welcome into a place where our humanity wouldn't dare show itself. There are many, many stories of people who've sought out those places within religious sorts, sorts of spaces and have not found at all what they had hoped for. Palmer writes and then teaches, has spent his entire life really talking about the fact that we must create special containers in order for the soul to show up. Or again, as Alana put it, space to be human. Well, one of the growing edges that I have these days is, is learning how to, quote unquote, be. I mean, I'm a doer. I'm a, I, I was born and raised on a farm. Like if you weren't working, you were sleeping or eating. That was sort of what you were doing. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't much free time to just mess around. And if you were just hanging out, um, there was probably something else going on in the background that you needed to be attending to. So I'm, I'm always joking around and asking uh, my friend, what am I supposed to be doing while I'm being? And this is the rub, right? Creating spaces to be human means we must find and create times and places to feel what we feel, to experience what we're experiencing and not let our minds or our egos pull us back into the past, into guilt or shame, or into the future, into fear or worry, that the space to be human needs quietness, slowness, lightness. The space to be human, I think, needs trust. It needs nurturing. It needs care. It's not a work to be completed but it's the work that we engage. Some may think that they find it easier to create this space for others rather than for themselves. They think that they're really good at, at caring for others, but oftentimes even in those kinds, of, those kinds of spaces or for people who feel that sort of way, they have a hard time setting aside their tendency, as Parker says, to save or fix or set each other straight. We think we're allowing people to be human, but then we're telling them how to be human. This space to be human, this place where the soul can show up, suspends outside judgment. It holds whatever comes and allows it to rest there. 
allows the entire person, the entire human to rest there, to grieve there, to be angry there, to be sad there, to be bored or excited or apathetic or ecstatic or despondent. It's all welcome in a space to be human. And I just believe fundamentally that you cannot give what you do not have. And so if I cannot create space for me to be human with myself, to recognize and name and understand what I'm feeling, then I'm going to have real difficulty creating that space or holding that space or being in that space for and with other people. I mean, this isn't to say that we have to be some sort of like black belt masters at, at something in order to help create it for others, but having some practice for ourselves, some regard for ourselves, some way of identifying when the ego or the intellect or the physical uh, wants to take center stage is essential if we're going to create space for others. Well, that's all fine and great. But how might we begin? Recently, I read a, a, a great book called Permission to Feel by Dr. Mark Brackett, M-A-R-C-B-R-A-C-K-E-T-T, Permission to Feel by Dr. Mark Brackett. And in that book, and you can, you can Google this, in the back of it, he has what he calls a mood meter. And I have found it really, really helpful. It, it has two axes. The axis on the left going up and down is really all about energy, low energy or high or, or uh, low energy or high energy. There's an axis along the bottom, which is about pleasantness, low pleasantness or high pleasantness. And then the, there are four quadrants within this mood meter. I, I'm just going to ask, I'm not going to try to describe the whole thing to you, but, but I, I just encourage you to go look at it. Because even just finding, even just finding where you are in the quadrants is helpful. But then he's named all of these different kinds of feelings. And so to go there and to and to begin to think, well, you know, I'm kind of kind of feeling low energy, but but things are pleasant. Well, am I relaxed? Am I calm? Am I at ease? Am I am I chill? Am I thoughtful? Like what is the word that, that more specifically describes the feeling that I'm having? Because I'm going to be really honest with you, up until reading this book, really, I think I had about five or six words to describe my feelings. In the space where I was allowing myself to be human, I only had like six feelings. And I'm actually kind of average, according to Dr. Brackett, which is horrible because We've been given all of these wonderful ways to feel and all, all of this language with which to describe it, and then we don't. And so how can we create space to be human if we can't even describe feelings for ourselves? And so I encourage you to just Google mood meter, Dr. Mark Brackett, and just take a look at that and maybe... Maybe for a few days or a week, every day, just sit down and, and just sort of check in with yourself and say, how am I feeling? And then put a, put a word to it. Not your usual word of frustrated or angry or whatever, but put, put something a little more nuanced to it. Create space for yourself to be human. I mean, one of the most human things about us is our breath. Without breath, we're not alive. We're not human, literally. And so that's also a place to start is just 
what's my breathing doing? Is it shallow? Am I holding my breath? Am I breathing deeply? And to create space to be human, I, I really believe we've got to breathe and notice the breath and, and, and be where we are, be present where we are. That's part of the space to be human is just being in the place where we are, not, again, not trying to be in the past or in the future or, or thinking about how we're going to fix how we're feeling, but just to breathe and to create that space to be human and just ask, well, what is it that I'm feeling? And to feel it, see if it passes. And then maybe ask, what else am I feeling? What else is there? How long have I been feeling this way? How often do I feel this way? Where does this come from, this feeling? What is it related to? And as you begin to create this space to be human for yourself, I really believe you become more confident in creating space to be human for others, to be able to just hold a space with them where they can grieve or be angry or be sad or be happy or be joyful and that you don't have to go along with them, but you can be alongside of them and create this space to be human. Pucker Palmer did a lot of work in creating spaces for the soul to show up. And one of the books I would recommend to you is called A Hidden Wholeness. W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S-S, -S, a hidden wholeness. And he did a lot of work with things called circles of trust. I wish there were more of these in the world. I'm a prepared facilitator to, to lead circles of trust, but I don't get a chance to do them very often because people aren't that interested in them, unfortunately, because they don't think that they lead to anything but in these conversations that we're having, these dropping keys conversations, I just I continue to hear a deep yearning for people to be able to have and to create places and spaces, as Alana said, to be human. And so I hope that you will seek to create that space for yourself and for those around you. You need it. Your family needs it. Your community needs it. Our world needs space to be human. Thanks for listening to Volume 8A of Dropping Keys. You can find me at joelmorgan.com or at joelmorgancc on Facebook and Instagram. You can find my book every single day on my website or on Amazon. Uh, drop me a note if this podcast uh, connected with you. I'd love to hear from you. I'd also love to hear if you have people who you think ought to be on this podcast. May you give yourself and others space to be human. May the sage drop the key to unlock the cage in which you find yourself. Until next time.